0: Hi and welcome to the Stefan Levera podcast focused on Bitcoin and Austrian economics. Today for episode 122, we are speaking again with Plan B. But first, let me introduce the sponsors. So firstly, Kraken, one of the world's longest standing highly-regarded Bitcoin exchanges. They bring a high-quality platform with high trading volume, low fees, and no minimum or hidden fees. They have 24-7 support. They offer the best-in-class accounting, reconciliation, and reporting services. And recently, they just announced the Kraken Pro mobile app. So Kraken Pro delivers all the security and features you love about Kraken Exchange, but in a beautiful mobile-first design for advanced Bitcoin trading on the go. So you generate an API key from the Kraken website and then you use that to interact with the app. So also there's Kraken OTC desk for the more private and personalized service for large block trades 100k USD or more. Kraken also support margin trading up to 5x long and short and there's also futures up to 50 times leverage to benefit from price swings or hedge your price risk. Go to kraken.com. This episode is also brought to you by Unchained Capital. Unchained Capital is a Bitcoin financial services company empowering customers with unprecedented financial freedom and control. All of their products and services are built on the foundation of multi-sig and their approach to collaborative custody gives users control over their private keys, as well as the benefit of a financial partner and financial services. So Unchained have two or three vaults. They're a great option for those thinking about how to best secure their Bitcoin for the long term. And if you ever need to access liquidity but without selling your Bitcoin, Unchained's collateralized loans offer a unique option all the bitcoin is stored on chain in dedicated multi-sig addresses it's never rehypothecated and you can share in the security of your bitcoin by holding one of three keys i'm really impressed with unchanged they're offering excellent services and releasing valuable content and open source tools so learn more and sign up at unchained-capital.com Next, check out GiveBitcoin.io. It's the easiest and safest way to get your friends and family into Bitcoin. Take it from me. I've given Bitcoin to people before and they lost it because they just simply didn't know what they were receiving. That's why I saw huge value in GiveBitcoin, which allows you to time-lock your Bitcoin gift for one to five years. Every month for the first year, GiveBitcoin delivers a lesson of their world-class curriculum, put together with input from many well-known Bitcoiners, including SafeDean, Matt O'Dell, Jan Pritzker, and others. I'm also an advisor with a small equity stake, assisting with with the curriculum. You can also get Bitcoin as a present for birthdays, Christmas, bar mitzvahs, graduation, and weddings. So put Bitcoin on your wish list at GiveBitcoin.io. I really think GiveBitcoin.io can have a positive impact on Bitcoin adoption and understanding. So I'm excited to have them as a sponsor. Last but not least, Bitcoin Outlet. Bitcoin Outlet delivers rare and extraordinary merchandise to warriors of Bitcoin. Outstanding design is not blindly slapping your logo on any object available. At Bitcoin Outlet, every product they carry is a work of art with a thoughtful design. In keeping with the ethos of Bitcoin... All products created at Bitcoin Outlet are limited edition. Once a product sells out, that's all, folks. When you purchase something from Bitcoin Outlet, you'll be one of the only people in the world who have it. Bitcoin Outlet is a sister company to Canada's bull Bitcoin, so both companies are Bitcoin maximalists through and through. Bitcoin Outlet only supports Bitcoin. This core belief has led them to align with other unapologetically maximalist companies. So, if you want rocks emerge from a designer with some actual moral compass and unwavering maximalist views, head to bitcoinoutlet.com and grab yourself some of the best damn apparel on the planet. Use coupon code Lavera for 21% off anything in store. So, today the interview is with Plan B. His first two interviews were on my show, episodes 67 and 86. He is a pseudonymous Bitcoin quant whose work has really been blowing up lately. And so there were some responses to his modeling work, and I thought it would be good to have him back to talk through some of the responses and his thoughts on them. So in this interview, we talk about co-integration. What is it? Why is it important? And importantly, we also talk about what's the steel man case against his model. And then we also talk about what he's working on these days and what's next for him. I'm sure you'll enjoy this interview. Here it is. Plan B, welcome back for the third episode.
1: Thanks for having me
0: back. Uh, there's been a lot happening since the first two episodes with you, Plan B. There's been a big blow up in your following and you've had many more translations in your articles. How's that been for you?
1: It has been great. Um, again, I'm Still waiting for the moment that that all this uh, stops or or levels off, but uh, I guess it's not not now yet. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so in, indeed, uh, lots more people uh, read the articles. I think the uh, translations help enormously with that. Uh, for example, the Chinese uh, translation uh, was was fun because I never knew that people in China are, cannot read medium articles because it's it's fenced off by the firewall. So, everything has to be on WeChat. But since that article is on WeChat, I, th- I guess it opened uh, th- the article and the content to uh, to lots more people. Same with uh, India. I-, I-, I never knew there were six uh, languages in India. And, um, well, there's only one translation uh, translated in the. I don't even remember what, what what the exact language was, but 60 million people living there uh, that can now read the article. So, yeah, it, it has been phenomenal. And, um, well, I hope it goes on for a little while.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. So let's just uh, set some quick context. So listeners, check out the first two episodes. They are 67 and 86. But suppose we can just give some high-level context around the idea... So what you're essentially doing is some quantitative modeling on this relationship that has existed uh, between the stock to flow ratio of Bitcoin and the price of Bitcoin. And I suppose just like, well, let's call out some of the high level numbers that you are in some sense predicting, or at least the model is predicting, let's say. So uh, there are a couple of different numbers and I believe you've got the 2020 halving, so approximately May 2020. Now, it doesn't mean it'll hit exactly that number then, but roughly. Uh, You've got 55,000 for then. I think it's roughly 400,000 for the 2024 halving and and then 3 million for 2028. Is that a fair summary you would say?
1: Yeah, that that's correct. And uh, th- that's the numbers that were in the original article that I wrote in March uh, this year. Uh, and maybe to go one step back, uh, so I came to Bitcoin from a uh, investor perspective. I am a, a traditional investor working at a large uh, listed uh, investment company in the Netherlands. So, um, yeah, I approached this market uh, not from a technical perspective, point of view, but from a purely investment point of view. And uh, I noticed the lack of uh, quantitative models, econometric models, if you will. Uh, There was a lot of technical analysis. Uh, But yeah, the model that I made is actually quite simple, Um, trying to capture the price with a measure of scarcity. And I found the stock-to-flow measure uh, quite useful, the stock-to-flow measure that is uh, mentioned by Trace Mayer. but also by Seyfony de Moose, of course, in his book. And uh, I, the model I made is a um, a, a linear regression uh, on the uh, uh, logarithmic values of both price and, and stock-to-flow. And then you come up with a very nice uh, uh, fit, a high R-squared. Um, but but what's even more important is the, uh, the co-integration. Uh, we might talk later on that. But, but you're right. So the model um, predicts um, or models the, the last 10 years, historical values of uh, uh, Bitcoin stock to flow and, and Bitcoin uh, uh, price. And because of the tight fit and the co-integration, um, well, it's it's at least reasonable to believe that uh, it will hold for, for one or two uh, more halvings. Uh, and, and the numbers you mentioned are, are absolutely correct.
0: Right. One one clarification on that point. So I have seen some different numbers and it might be just good to clarify for the listeners. For example, for the next halving for May 2020 approximately... I've seen a 55,000 number, and I've also seen a 100,000 number. Could you just clarify for the listeners where those two different numbers are coming from? As I understand, one of them is sort of only feeding the model the first few years of data. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, that's correct. And there's some confusion about it. So I'm glad to explain it. Um, So the 55,000 number for next halving in May 2020, that was the number from the original model in the original March uh, 2019 article. Um, and and that number was was uh, quite high, um, in in my uh, opinion. I thought, well, we're now at uh, the time of the writing. It was uh, three or four thousand dollars, so fifty fifty five thousand seemed like a well uh, a very high number. And I didn't want people to get o- over op- optimistic about it, so um, I rounded the parameters a little bit. So uh, if if you read the article, you see the uh, the formula is is with nice round numbers, zero uh, point four times stock to flow uh, to the power three, and so zero point four and three are the round numbers. But if you um, if if you would would take more digits, or you would you would get a little higher number, uh, but then of course it becomes uh, less less easy to. Um, to explain and to communicate so the model uh, evolved from from march uh, this year uh, until where where it's now Uh, and of course more data was added Uh, the the data of the first five thousand model was uh, until december 2018 Uh, and now of course we have uh, nine more months uh, to take into account also i have have more earlier numbers so data data archaeology um, where the uh, yeah, I, I do have numbers from September two thousand nine right now. So if we take that into account, just the new numbers, uh, you get to values somewhere between sixty and ninety thousand, and those are also the numbers that all the other teams that replicated my model uh, come up with. Uh, so there's there's one more model, and it's it that's where the hundred thousand comes from. That's the third model. Uh, And I personally prefer that one. I like it not because it's a higher number, um, but because that model was made on only uh, pre-November 2012 data. So before there was any halving uh, on only the first four years of uh, Bitcoin data. And yeah, that model predicted basically the 10x jump in price of 2012 halving and the 10x jump in price from the 2016 um, halving. So I'm I'm really, um, yeah, I'm really fond of uh, out of sample performance. So I'd rather take a model that's that's done on less data but performs very well out of samples, uh, so on new data. Than, than, than taking all the data and fitting it as good as possible. So so those are the three models, 55, 60 to 90,000, and 100,000.
0: Fantastic, thank you for that clarification. Also, it might be interesting and valuable to talk about the timing. So typically what we have seen looking historically is the first halving was roughly mid 2012, and then 2013 was where we saw the big bull runs happen. Then the next one was in mid-2016. And then again, we saw the bull runs happen in 2017, or rather one big bull run, let's call it. So would you say then that if you were to copy-paste that same pattern, the halving next time around will be mid-2020, but actually the run up will come in 2021? Would you say that's a fair statement, or what's your view there?
1: Yeah, I think that's a fair statement, but but formally the model... Uh, does not say anything about it. So there's there no short-term prediction. There is no uh, prediction of the all-time high or the next peak. There is also no prediction of the low. Um, the only thing that you can take from the model is that uh, you you um, you have the co-integration and, and it will stick very close to this stock-to-flow uh, level. And um, so... Somewhere before, say Christmas 2021, uh, the price should be above 100,000 if we take that third last model, or above 50 55,000 if you take the original model. So that's in fact the only thing that you can uh, you can take from the model. And where the next halving is, or oh, where the next uh, all time high is, sorry, um, yeah, it it it's guessing. But but um, the way you said it is correct. Um, normally, or at least last two halvings, the market didn't react immediately on a halving, but it, it lagged a little bit. You can you could even model that lag, but uh, but I, I wanted to keep the model simple. So, uh, yeah, that's... Uh,
0: Fantastic. So, let's jump into a little bit around some of the responses to your model. And then one of those is around co-integration as well. So, as I understand, uh, there's a gentleman named Fraudstar. And I think his name is Nick. He wrote an article uh, attempting to basically saying something like falsifying the stock to flow model. Uh, could you help us break that down a little bit? Uh, just give us an overview on that.
1: Yeah, that, yeah. He's by the way, he's an Australian uh, <laughs> guy. Oh, really? But, I should uh, I should talk to him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He'd like that. Um, so Nick Frauda, indeed. Uh, he um, he he did a. a a very important study uh on the on the model and he and, and he's he's an interesting guy because he he's saying uh, he's very strict in in learning and 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 a- academic approach so he's he's saying like the only way you can learn is by falsifying things you cannot verify things you can you can only falsify things so it's true until you falsify it and that's why he called his his uh research falsifying the stock-to-flow model because that was his intention um, and his aim so he uh, went after it and basically did the same exercise i I did Uh, came with the same conclusions um, but then also raised the question the same question i did like okay uh, you can have a a very high r squared especially in a uh, uh, logarithmic domain but it could be spurious it could be a false regression. It could be a, a correlation, not causation, uh, a, a meaningless uh, correlation that we we measure. Uh, so he took he took one step more, and that's crucially important. Um, he checked for co integration, and co integration is um, that two uh, variables, stock to flow and price, in this case, stick together. So the difference, but so he's he's actually checking and testing and modeling the difference between the two. And if that difference stays stationary, um, that's a statistical term, but if if it stays around zero and doesn't wander off too far, um, all is good and the two uh, series are co-integrated, which is very rare. So uh, um, basically, if if you find that two series are co-integrated, like he did, uh, that means that the... Uh, relationship that you find the the high correlation that you find um, are not spurious so uh, that's why he concluded that he could not falsify the sock to flow model (laughs) so in 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 that way the title is a little bit misleading but it was a a very important uh, moment also for me um, in 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 the development of this model
0: Great. Let's break that down a little bit. So from uh, Fraudzer Nick's article, he mentions a few different, if you will, assumptions that must be true before you can uh, do this technique. He mentions the use of log scale. And so he's commenting that, and as you mentioned, it's log of stock to flow ratio and the log of BTC price. Can you articulate why that is?
1: Yeah, you you need a, a linear relationship if you... Do a, a linear regression fit. So obviously, if you look at the stock to flow, uh, but also price is even more more important. If you look at the price of Bitcoin on a a, a normal linear scale, it it's it's it goes exponentially up, and and um, you don't see any details uh, b- before two thousand seventeen if you plot it that way. Uh, so to get more detail and to yeah. To get more meaning, you you have to transform the data to uh, massage it into a, a, a linear line. So that's that's an, a massage uh, might sound as as manipulate, but it's just a transformation. So you transform the data. You try to see if if a, log, a logarithmic regression is uh, is useful, or or an exponential function is more useful, or if it can be transformed. In a linear shape, and and if you do that uh, with stock to flow and uh, the price, then you get this beautiful uh, linear uh, shape that you can fit with the linear regression. Uh, so uh, basically, what that means is that the uh, uh, that that the regression that you uh, fit on those data can be transformed in a power law. Um, so that's the function I use. So that's the 0.4 times stock-to-flow to the power 3. That's a, a power law. And um, that basically, sh- um, and, and that has also to do with the logarithmic scale that models change. So not, not so much the, the level, but the change of stock-to-flow and the change uh, of price. They are proportional. Uh, so for example, if the stock-to-flow goes 2x the price goes 10x and that that's that's what the, the function says, the power law function and that is true on a very small scale. so if it goes uh, uh, 3x or, or 0.3x it, it doesn't matter this power law stays the same and that's the the power of, of, uh, of this logarithmic uh, transformation.
0: Excellent, thank you for that.
1: And there were some other
0: terms that you that were used in order to, you know, as 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 he says, falsify the stock to flow model. He mentions the terms uh, normality in error. Can you articulate what that is?
1: Yeah, the uh, uh, the errors that those are the uh, uh, the difference between the predicted values and the actual values, and and the study of the analysis of how those errors look is very important because there's all sorts of assumptions that are made about it. So uh, they cannot be um, auto-correlated, for example. And um, yeah, they should be normal. So if you have the ideal model, what's left, so what's not explained by the model should be white noise, as we call it. Uh, so that's, that's normally distributed random noise. Uh, all the other factors out there impacting the price, but... Um, on average, um, leveling out to zero. And and, and if you find uh, uh, normal errors, normally distributed errors around zero, then you know you have a good model. That's, uh, that's
0: great. Basically. And now one way I've heard this explained uh, around, I guess, speaking to the broader idea of co-integration is that it's it's like a rubber band effect that as one moves further away from the other so in this case bitcoin price moving further away from the model then it sort of rubber bands back to the model is that one way to
1: think of this yeah and um and nick has this nice uh, classic uh, story about the, the drunk and his dog <laughs> and uh Uh, And, uh, you know, the the drunk going out with his dog on a leash, uh, the drunk uh, wanders in a a sort of random fashion, uh, and the dog has to go with him (laughs) because he's on a leash, but sometimes he will be on the right, uh, sometimes he will be on the left, but he cannot go further than the leash uh, and come closer. So you don't know where the dog and the drunk are going, but you do know that they stay together. (laughs) That that is, (laughs) yeah, it's, it's a classical example. And uh, but it exactly states what what co-integration is, and that is very useful from a well multiple perspectives. But but investment being one, and uh, and in this case it's 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 even uh, more interesting because we know of course that the stock to flow isn't wandering like a drunk. <laughs> it, it's 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 uh, it's predetermined. So for predict, prediction purposes, this is <laughs> almost too good to be true.
0: Yeah right yeah and he mentions at the end of the article he's saying in short bitcoin is the drunk and stock to flow is the road home
1: yeah that's it that's it and uh oh you, you should have him on your uh, podcast because he, he can explain this a lot better than i do
0: oh fantastic yeah i might i might have to do that uh let's talk about some of the other responses to your work so i believe there was burger crypto am who also did some similar sort of work what was your take on his work
1: yeah. Um, so uh, Berger, um, Nick, and 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 I sort of worked together. Um, so we were we came into this uh, separately, but our work was so related, and and um, uh, so now we're working with the uh, three of us uh, together. Uh, yeah, Berger actually uh, took the same path as as Nick. He was very skeptical of the good fit and the high R squared. Uh, so he wrote an article. He verified the model, came with the same results, but really focused on the spurious, the, the possibility that it could be a spurious regression, uh, which which of course is a good point. And, and later in his second piece, uh, just after Nick wrote about co-integration, he verified that co-integration as well and even did some extra studies. So uh, you can check uh, co-integration with a several several tests, several uh, different tests. He did like like three or four, um, and came with the same conclusion. So we all three now have a shared uh, conclusion that we stand by, um, where we all began with being very very skeptical. And so I see a lot of people uh, in that first stage right now. Uh, where all three of us began uh, a couple of months uh, ago. Great. And uh, one other one
0: I think might be interesting for you to touch on, and this is more like a very outside of the, uh, the ordinary least squares approach that you have taken. There was one by HC Berger 1, and it's a basically a time-based model. Now, this one was a little interesting because he was basically predicting, based on this model, that... The price would reach 100,000 per Bitcoin no earlier than 2021 and no later than 2028. So in some ways, it was a more conservative estimate. Have you had a chance to look at this modeling work? And do you have any comments on that?
1: Yes, it's, it's an interesting study as well. And uh, uh, we talk to the time models are, are classic. So instead of stock to flow, you take uh, a look at time as an an, an explanatory uh, variable for for the price of Bitcoin and and the uh, the narrative. Then it's it's like adopt, adoption that takes uh, a time to to play out, and that's what you what you see in the price, uh, which is very reasonable. And in fact, it's it's where I began modeling as well before March uh, this year. So the very first models I made were. The exact same models as H.C. Uh, Berger uh, did with the, with the time, and we have the s- the same uh, parameters as well. So, uh, so it's yeah, it's definitely inter- it's an interesting model. Uh, the only thing is, um, first there there is a big difference in in predictions between stock to flow model and this time based model. Like you said, the time based models uh, are are lower. In prediction. So in, it's very interesting to see, maybe not this halving, but especially after 2024 halving, uh, the models really uh, deviate from each other. So we'll see which one is right. It's very exciting. Um, but more importantly now is that uh, what, what I don't like about the, um, the time model and, and why I personally abandoned the model and, and jumped to stock to flow is two things. First, um, the parameters are not stable. So the first time model is actually made in 2014. It's a, it's a classical chart. I have it somewhere in my... I, I will tweet it out later. Um, it's it's a uh, green line, green price line, with a red curve, the logarithmic curve uh, in it. And I think it was updated later by uh, Tudemester so uh oh,
0: yes, this is a well known one. Tua shared it, I think.
1: Yeah, yeah, you you shared it as well, uh I think. And um and and what you see there is the prediction that was made in 2014, and it was much higher than the actual price that we see right now. So the the, the red prediction line is way above the green real price, uh in the updated chart by uh, by Tua. Uh, so, And then if you look at the model that was fitted on all the data, so including the, the data from 2014 till today uh, that HE Burger is using, then you see a much lower uh, model. So, so the model came down significantly. And, of course, now it really fits well. But uh, my prediction would be that it will have to be uh, um, updated again uh, after 2024 halving. And uh, so the stability of the parameters... Is a key thing for me because I don't want to update the model uh, every year because I'd like to, to use it for prediction and investing. Um, and, and like I said, the, the model that I prefer, the, the third incarnation of the stock-to-flow model, if you will, uh, is made only on 2012 data before there was any halving and it's still working today. So without any change on parameters. So, so that's for me is a crucial thing.
0: Yeah, that is a really fascinating thing. And it speaks to whether there is some kind of, again, it's not praxeology, it's not economic law, but potentially in uh, in an Austrian term, you might say something like timology, which relates more to like human psychology in response to uh, markets let's say uh, that psychological aspects that lead to human action and as you as you were saying this is before the, even there was a halving now I think it would be good to talk about one critique that I have seen where some people are levering, uh, are laying a critique against the stock to flow model idea by saying well look the stock to flow model it explains the price only by reference to supply and not by demand. What's your thought on that?
1: Yeah, I, I I get that critique a lot, and I understand it because if you, if you have an economic background, you are taught by, with uh with the theory that that prices are, uh, are made on markets by buyers and sellers, and there has to be uh, supply and demand, and where they meet, that's that's where the price is. <laughs> so a model only on supply is weird in that sense, and and that's true. I mean, <laughs> I understand that critique, uh, but the thing is, um, and Nick Zabo talked about it in the the tweet uh, this week as well. Uh, The Veblen
0: uh, good idea, right?
1: Exactly. So it it could very well be that Bitcoin is a Veblen good. And a Veblen good is uh, diamonds or Rolex uh, watches would be an example. It's a good that where demand increases, where price increases. And that's totally... That's 180 degrees different than than uh, demand to supply law laws uh, uh, normally work, and that you are taught at at school. Because normally, if prices rise, uh, rise, uh, demand uh, will will drop and not and not rise. But there is some indication that Bitcoin is behaving like like a Veblen good, and that would be that would explain. So, so in, in in that way, the demand is directly caused by the uh, supply or the stock to flow, if you will. But but even, even more important than that, so that might be the case, but even more important than that, and it's a general point, demand is not in the model, but lots of other factors are also not in the model that are important for the price. So for example, if we look at the past 10 years when China did this banning, oh, China bans this, China bans that. <laughs> uh, yeah, it has an effect on price. Price goes down. China bans are not in my model. So when the government, the SEC or the, the CFTC or whatever, cracks down on, on Bitcoin or, or puts a FUD article uh, in the media, it has an effect on price. Is it in my model? No, it's not in my model. So there's like tens tens of variables that are really important but are but that are not in my model. And still, that means that doesn't mean the model is wrong or the model is, is, is not useful because it's just a model. It's it's a model, and it's and it's really a simple model. And I don't know who, who the quote is from, but uh, the saying is all models are wrong, but some are useful. And, uh, yeah, and I think that's that's true. I mean, um, if we look at, at the power law, and that's that's why I think it's it's interesting to have a non-spurious uh, power law here, um, there's Bitcoin. Obviously, is a complex system, very nonlinear, very dynamic, uh, with uh, at least seven network effects: uh, miners, investors, merchants, developers, all and, and, and regulators and countries. Everything uh, has an impact on price. So to model that would be impossible. And um, in complex systems, what you see. Uh, is sometimes there is an underlying structure that is very simple. So there is a complex reality, but a simple underlying structure. And that is uh, what a power law can can grasp. So in a way, I think the stock-to-flow, I don't know how exactly, of course, but in a way, that's what I measure. The stock-to-flow captures all this underlying complexity and, and including demand. For for whatever reason, right,
0: and maybe another way to frame that might be something like there are many factors, but it's just that stock to flow happens to be the dominant one right now, and that is not to say that it will always be the dominant one. As you mentioned, maybe the model breaks down after 2028.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and 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 there's one more thing: um, the demand, because if something has a high stock to flow ratio, that's there's not much things that have a high stock to flow ratio. Gold has it. Uh, Bitcoin has it. Diamonds have it. Uh, basically, it could be a definition of money, right? People use high stock to flow things for the function of money. And uh, and the demand for money, of course, is unlimited. There's always demand for money. Uh, so so uh, you could assume that to be there. It, it's a very, very rough uh, assumption, but you could assume in a money model, which my model is, uh, that, that uh, demand is there, or at least that it's captured through the stock-to-flow.
0: Another point that I think I've seen you make is this idea that, uh, and it's, I guess, harkening back to Nick Szabo with uh, unforgeable costliness, but as you were mentioning, you were saying it's all about energy. And ultimately, it's how much energy does it cost you to make Bitcoin versus any substitutes right so even in the case of gold and platinum and palladium and so on there are some elements of substitutability amongst those other metals but fundamentally it's about how much energy does it cost you to make them
1: yes there are some other critics uh, that also go in this direction i think it's Stephen harbour or um, i forgot his name but uh so he's also very much into uh pricing bitcoin in watts and and it's a very interesting concept uh which i think is correct as uh, as you said like like gold is scarce because it's very expensive to mine it and and the same with bitcoin same with diamonds um and and we can also see the opposite of that right if 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 money uh is very easy to make um <laughs> like our current fiat money uh, <laughs> then 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 it goes wrong and and we saw that in uh, in zimbabwe very clearly and, and more recently in venezuela you can just print the uh the money as a government and spend it but in the end that will not that will not last long and, and it will not end well um and and of course this is Well, actually, the reason why I came to Bitcoin, the whole quantitative easing uh, experiment that is done by central banks today, um, nobody knows how that will end. And some fear it will not end well, uh, me being uh, one of those people, of course.
0: (laughs) Of course, uh, I think so. Uh, One other big critique that might be good to address at this point is the why is it not priced in idea. Now, one suggestion could be that most or everyone who knows about it is already invested as much as they reasonably can. But what's your view there?
1: Yeah, if I were to give a steelman argument against the model, and I'm constantly looking for good arguments against the model, because that's how I learn and that's how I know <laughs> I'm investing yeah, the correct way. If I were to give a steelman argument, it would be this argument. If the, the relationship is true and if... The information is out there as it is since since March, the the and or even earlier about the halvings. The halvings should be priced in in a reasonably efficient market. So this would be my ultimate argument against the model, and it's it's the one thing I do not understand why it is not priced into, uh, it's not priced in the halvings. And it was also Nick Zabo's ultimate argument against the stock to flow model in his tweet last week. So yeah, why that is, um, I don't know, but I can guess. And, and I learned something this week about this. So for my, my first reaction would be, okay, markets are not efficient. Bitcoin is small with its, uh, with its 150 billion market cap, it's small. So maybe it's not efficient. But on the other hand, if you look at currencies and Bitcoin, it's very efficient. So you cannot buy Bitcoins with dollars and then convert it. Uh, sell them in euros and then sell the euros for dollars and then make a profit or something. That that could be done in the early days, but but now you have exactly the the foreign exchange rates on those Bitcoin prices. So markets are pretty efficient. I yeah I don't think that's that's the thing. The other thing would be okay. The information is not out there uh, for everybody. For example, new investors won't know immediately about the stock to flow model, so they don't. Know about it and, and they don't price it in. And maybe some of the current investors don't know yet about the model, although the model spreads like wildfire. So <laughs> I think most of the investors right now know. But then the, the other argument, and, and that's the simplest argument, and I think that's the, the, the true one, is that there's lots of people that do not believe in the, in the model, in the stock to flow relationship. So I put a tweet out yesterday with uh, three well-known Bitcoin people that are against the stock-to-flow model with good arguments as well. I, I don't think they hold, but it, it, uh, there are good arguments that you can that you can follow and, and believe, and and then you would you would be against the stock-to-flow model and not invest uh, in, in into a uh, stock-to-flow price relationship. And in that view, the halvings would be less important than what I think they will be. So I guess it's it's just a normal market situation where there is not much people that really believe in the model, which is very interesting and a nice investment opportunity.
0: Yeah, that's uh, well for everyone who is a believer. I guess that's uh, that's their opportunity. Let's turn now uh, one interesting topic that you were discussing was also this concept of downward difficulty adjustments or stated in other words bitcoin bull markets seem to start at difficulty bottoms so what's your take there
1: yeah uh so what i learned from from my uh, uh career in in investing um and and so I, I'm a traditional investor. We do mortgages and bonds, and, and those are billions of dollars. Uh, so so big deals. What I learned there is that it's it's very interesting to look at what the what the big buyers and sellers are doing. Uh, so the people that move billions of dollars have very uh, good research, have very smart teams. Great access to low prices—they have—they have it all, and they—they ha- they are at the top of the spear, if you will. So, looking at what they are doing might give you an edge just by following uh, them. And and the same is true with Bitcoin, um, in my opinion. Uh, miners are the ones that that are really invested in 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 Bitcoin because they invested in hardware and and and. Uh, mining these days is, is uh, really only profitable if you if you are a professional industrial miner so you need access to very cheap electricity below five, four, three cents almost free electricity. So you need to, to be next to a, a water dam or, or, or something else that where, where there's excess energy. otherwise you, you cannot make uh, bitcoins profitably. And you need the latest of the latest hardware, so the seven nanometer uh, chips, uh, specific chips. Yeah. So, so the the miners are are big players, and of course they are big sellers. So they they make bitcoins, and, and once they make them, they have to sell at least part to to, to make good for the for the electricity costs uh, and and the capital expenditure on the on the miners. So it is interesting to see what what the miners are doing, and um, in bull markets you see. Uh, and, and I'm not talking causation here, but just just an observation. You see um, the hash rate and the difficulty go up, so so uh, and that means that miners are being added, mining hardware is being added to the network, uh, or or the latest chips are being bought by miners and are increasing the the hash rate and and thereby the security, by the way, of the network. Um, but so miners are investing. And the opposite is true in down uh, markets. So in the latest bear, bear market, and you saw that in in last two bear markets as well, the two bear markets before uh, this one, you, you see at a certain point that, that miners are switching off their, their old equipment because the price of Bitcoin is too low and their miners are not profitable anymore. So it costs them more electricity than it than it it, it uh, gives them in uh, in revenue and that's why they switch them off and you can measure that so you can see a drop in difficulty and it's very rare it only happened like well a couple of times um, in the last 10 years and each and if you if you look if you if you look at the the lowest point of that of that difficulty decline, I call that the difficulty bottom and mark that point. From, from where it starts uh, going up again, so miners are 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 getting positive and investing again. That point in time um, has been the start of bull markets in the last through three three, uh, three times. So it's it's very interesting to to look at the big guys. It's by no means a statistical, hundred uh, percent verified and secure uh, thing like the stock to flow model. But it's just, a, I find it a very interesting uh, observation. Excellent. And
0: just for the listeners, the prior difficulty downward adjustments, as you point out, they were late 2011, early to mid, or well, early 2015, and most recently, December 2018. So just for context for the listeners there. Turning now to your mission of trying to merge the worlds of Bitcoin and professional money management. Now, some of your work online, you've shown things like the Nassim Taleb-influenced barbell portfolio of holding, say, 1% to 5% of Bitcoin and then the rest in cash and showing that this has a much better return versus risk profile and obviously a much higher sharp ratio than the traditional. Sixty forty 40 stocks and bonds or other traditional investments have you had any luck convincing professional money managers on that point
1: yes i think i have and uh you might have noticed indeed that i'm shifting uh my focus a little bit towards I- investors and investor podcasts as well uh, like uh, the investor podcast with the uh, press and fish or uh, the interview i did with real vision and roll paul lately the gold uh, versus bitcoin thing so I'm focusing on on investors because that's also yeah my, my background, um, and they are very very skeptical. Uh, at least they were last year, the year before that, and maybe a couple of months ago. But something is starting to change, and um, you see the very forward-looking guys, the hedge funds, and uh, let's say the the group that that Raul Paul with Real Vision is 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 uh, targeting. That group is is getting it. Uh, if if you listen to Raúl, he's also saying that most of the people, almost all the people that he knows, the CEOs of these, or the CIOs of these hedge funds, uh, are already invested in Bitcoin personally. So that's where it all starts, I think. Uh, so so you see it there. You see also uh, Anthony Pompliano, of course, uh, uh, with his company. Um, uh, getting customers in the more traditional domains, the pension funds and the, the endowments. So that, that, that's a step. And you also see, um, if you look at the stock-to-flow model, which was uh, discussed on, on CNBC um, the other day, uh, you see a real turn in thinking there, which is uh, remarkable. um and the other day you had this this uh german uh landesbank the bayern landesbank who uh, verified the stock to flow model and actually published the results to uh, to their clients so you can see traditional uh parties that 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 used to just judge um uh, tell all the uh, the m- uh, mainstream media FUD, uh, uh, Bitcoin is for criminals, Bit- Bitcoin is a fraud, Bitcoin uh, boils the oceans. You're seeing that turn slowly, but surely. And I can give one example of my own uh, company where I work, where nobody, uh, except the quants, of course, uh, that do the work, but nobody of the investors really wanted to know anything about Bitcoin. Uh, but the example that, um, that that's really well uh, received is the following. Um, the Bitcoin futures markets are very interesting at the moment. If you look at the price of futures at the CME in Chicago or the IceBuck uh, system in uh, New York, physically settled, uh, you see that the future market is in contango. That means that the future prices, the prices next month and over two months and even over three to six months are higher than the spot prices so the current prices Um, and that opens the door to a classical uh, uh, carry trade construction Um, it's, it's it's a it's not complex i'll i'll explain it it's it's like you have a bitcoin position you do buy bitcoin and have a bitcoin position and then you sell that same position for delivery over 1 month or 2 months or, or 6 months so you you buy it and you immediately sell it against this higher future price so you lock in a certain profit a a, a guaranteed profit so in a way that's that's a risk free profit if you um th- there are some risks but th- but they are small so you can do the same thing with gold, buy gold and future sell the gold and then rinse and repeat every month, you would make one percent every year in return, which is low, but which is consistent with gold being very stable and, and, and risk-free. But if you do it with Bitcoin, like the way I described on CME or Bucked, you can make like twelve percent per year. And that and that's almost risk-free. So if if you pitch that example to a traditional uh, money manager, his first reaction will be, that's not possible. And then when you show him the quotes, the actual quotes, he'll be like, okay, I have to know more about this. Mm. (laughs) And and that's the example I use nowadays for people uh, with a traditional uh, investing mindset. And that really gets them thinking and into Bitcoin. Actually, I know three guys who uh, personally bought Bitcoin after this, this example who are uh, professional money managers. <laughs> so uh, the proliferation
0: of the carry trade idea. And I think uh, we touched on this in some of our earlier episodes as well. One uh, question I've got around that is the contango, as you mentioned, the future price being higher than the spot price. Part of that may just be driven by people having this future expectation of a rise in Bitcoin's price, so they're buying it. And is that part of what's driving that overall contango scenario?
1: Yes. Uh, Yeah, there's two components. There's the actual uh, cost component. So with gold, for example, you see the same thing. If you have physical gold, uh, then you have to store it and you have to insure it. And that costs money. So uh, that's why the future price of gold uh, should be a little bit higher, uh, you know, buyers of, of gold in the future uh, will like the idea of not having to pay for storage and, and insurance uh, uh, next month or two. So so that real cost of storage and insurance explains part of it. The other part is speculation of what, like you say, so if there's lots of people that expect the price of Bitcoin to go to, well, let's say 55,000. <laughs> uh, then uh, they can they can uh, they can uh, take on leverage uh, 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 multiply their their uh, investing results by uh, by buying futures and uh, and they will play the futures game. so so yeah, in in a way uh, and and that of course if they buy uh, futures uh, th- that drives up the price. Uh, of the of the futures and also creates contango. Um, so in a way, it's it's uh, the carry trade that I just described describes uh, uh, is is funded by the people that are very very optimistic by uh, and and are willing to carry to carry that risk of Bitcoin. It, in a way, it's 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 like the prelude to a option market, which I think bucked is also. Uh, introducing, which is very logical. So, so the the people that think about 55,000 Bitcoin in, in one or two years, like me, uh, if, if they're pro- professional money managers, they think of it, of it like an option. They think they have a certain uh, probability that that 55,000 scenario is happening. That Probability might be low, might be like 10% or 20%. And the other scenario being it goes to zero, 80%. Uh, so that's sort of an option structure, but still they would they would buy that that future, and and someone else is not not willing to take that even that that ten or twenty percent uh, chance of a fifty five percent fifty five k scenario. So they rather have the cash and carry, where they make a certain uh, let's say ten percent per year, and it's yeah it's it's a great way of futures markets bringing together speculators and more risk averse uh, investors
0: excellent uh, plan b do you have any other related projects or other things that you're working on at the moment
1: yeah there, there is uh there is lots of projects and and um there's some i can mention uh, maybe so so in the summer i was i was busy with all the translations of the article which is which is great and uh, there's 24 now but right now uh uh, lots of people are replicating the models and, and building uh, real time versions of models in um, on websites. Uh, there there is a uh, uh, digitalic, uh, Swiss guy who made a very nice website, and I'm we're sort of working together. And I'm thinking of not making uh, my own charts anymore. I'm just using his charts because they are uh, evolved in even better charts than I have than I can make, and they're real time. So uh, so that's very nice. You might also have have seen the art thing that I uh, I'm involved in. We um, the charts that I make inspire me, but also some of my followers. So they want high resolution prints and stuff. So I <laughs> yeah, and, and that's 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 great. I I have that same desire, and um, so so I decided to take it one step further and and uh, commission an artist that that is by the way one of my followers and approached me. Uh, on Twitter. So we met face to face and she is now making an artwork of, of of one of the charts. And and I think that's that's important because Bitcoin is more than just numbers and, and investments. It's it's a it's a movement. Um, and, and it's very important that it's not only programmers and investors uh, are involved but also uh, the art world. So so science has to meet art and uh, yeah, it's, it's something I'm really, really excited about. Uh, the other thing uh, you might have seen uh, that is pure science is chain analysis. So we talked about minor uh, capitulation and difficulty drops and that that kind of stuff. You can extract a lot more data from the, from the blockchain than only difficulty or stock to flow ratio. You can, yeah, you... You have 300 gigabytes of data that you can analyze and extract. And, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm diving into that with new computers, new ideas, and, uh, yeah, with a more, more high-frequency trading uh, point of view. And the things that you find are actually very, very interesting. I have not uh, tweeted or written about it, but... Um, I'm sure that that will come and uh, and uh, yeah that absorbs a lot of my attention at the moment but it's it's very interesting what you can uh, what information you can get from uh, f- from the chain. That's awesome. It that sounds great.
0: I'm really uh, looking forward to hearing about uh, what you've got uh, coming up next. I suppose just as a final comment for the listeners, can you just let them know what should they be watching and thinking about uh, just to understand if the model has broken down or uh, is there anything else, uh, are There any other people who you would like to hear from?
1: Uh, yeah, the, the model, is, is, it's very simple. Um, so, so if the, core, the co-integration is gone, if it doesn't um, uh, show in in the next uh, one or two years, if it's gone, then the model breaks down. And uh, so my point, it's a bit conservative. I'd like to see it earlier than that, but if uh, Bitcoin is not above 100,000 or the 55,000, depending on the model uh, you'd like to use, if it's not above that that numbers uh, before Christmas 2021, then yeah, the model is in Mm -hmm. real trouble. And, uh, and and probably so am I because I, I made it. But but um, uh, yeah, it, it it is a possibility, of course. Let me let me finish with that. It's just a model. It it's not a guarantee for quick profits, um, and it, it can be wrong. So so uh, yeah, please please watch that. And in the meantime, there's lots of things going on around the world. Uh, so so uh, especially also in the investor world that slowly but surely um starts to understand bitcoin and starts to invest in bitcoin and i expect a lot of um a lot more investors piling in um, and the halving around may 2020 might of course help with that if prices uh do indeed rise like they did last two times and like uh, is predicted by my model that would create the setting um where at least the uh, investors that believe in Bitcoin, I want to pitch it to their investment committees. Uh, At least those people will have uh, better charts uh, to to show there and and have a a somewhat better story than they have now because now you could still argue that Bitcoin is dead and and it will never go uh, to the all-time high of 20,000 again. But once that point is reached, I think we'll see... Yeah, an exponential um, uh, rise in uh, interest of uh, investors.
0: Fantastic. So plan B, uh, just uh, let the listeners know where they can find you and follow you as well.
1: Yeah, so, so I'm on Twitter at 100 trillion US dollars, 100 with a 100 and then trillion USD. And my article is on Medium. It's called uh, Modeling Bitcoin's Value with Scarcity. Uh, but most of the time you can find me on Twitter and all the DMs are open. So uh, please uh, please reach out. I, uh, I like it and I still can manage to answer at least all the DMs. So <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> well, thank you very much. It's been a fascinating conversation. Thank you, Stefan. If you want the show notes or the transcript, go to stefanlevera.com. There's also a link to subscribe to the show there. If you want to support the show, share it with your family and friends or in your chat groups and email me if you've got any feedback or if you want to sponsor the show, stefanlevera at pm.me. Thanks for listening and I will see you in the Citadels.